Since Catching Fire is still in the theaters, the first few minutes of this podcast will be spoiler-free. You can find the show notes for this episode at areyoujustwatching.com slash 41. Are you just watching episode 41, Catching Fire? Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking from the entertained Christian. I'm Eve Franklin, and with me today is Dr. Jace O'Neill from the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Welcome, Dr. Jace. Oh, how are you doing, Eve? <laughs> now, we before we start our discussion on Catching Fire, I want to play the promo that explains why I have Dr. Jace with me on this episode. So if you'll just hang tight and listen to this promo for just a bit, we'll come right back to you. Last year, a ragtag band of Christian geek podcasters joined together, taking on a shared theme to be discussed on their respective shows. This year, like any good sequel, and any bad sequel really, they're going bigger. They aren't just sharing a theme, they're sharing themselves. In the grand tradition of the Avengers movies, or... Aliens versus Predator, or Mario and Sonic the Hedgehog, King Kong versus Godzilla, Archie meets the Punisher. It's not just a thematic event, it's a crossover. The Christian Geek Podcasting community begins the year 2014 by trading hosts. Listen to your favorite podcasting hosts as they mix it up on other podcasts, and meet new podcasters on your favorite podcasts. Featuring these podcasts Geekly Oaked, The Sci Fi Show, Untold Podcast, The Sci Fi Christian, Real World Theology, The Story Men, Geek This Podcast, Voices in My Head, Are You Just Watching, and Strangers and Aliens. The Christian Geek Podcast Crossover. It's the Secret Wars 2 of podcasting. Only, you know, good. So I recently joined the Strangers and Aliens podcast for a fun discussion on upcoming sci-fi and fantasy movies in 2014. And I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. Um, Dr. Jace, I seem to remember you saying that your one of your favorite movies for 2013 was Catching Fire. It really was. In fact, um, it was not high on my radar list to actually go and see. It just happened to be one of those things where my wife and I had a babysitter and we're like, hey, the Hunger Games are out and something else is out. What would you like to watch? My wife goes, well, there's a woman in that one, so let's go see this one. So that's, <laughs> that's how, how we got there. But I was pleasantly surprised. For myself, I don't know about how other people thought, but I really enjoyed it. Did you, um, did, had you had seen The Hunger Games then before? I had seen the first one, yes. Okay. I'd seen the first one. I, in my opinion, I enjoyed this one better than the first one. But I, 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 I'm intrigued by the world that they're in. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, it's um, it, I I really wanted to do a podcast on the Hunger Games, the first one, but I never got around to it, and uh-huh. now Catching Fire's out, so I guess we'll just skip that one entirely. Yeah, yeah. hey, <laughs> you know what? You kind of combine them together, maybe. But yeah, so. what 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 exactly made you like it? What you said it was the um, the world they were in. Is it like the political system or the well, yeah, a little bit. You know, I'm my background. I'm I'm an actor uh, in my background, but I also write, and I'm actually a pastor now, and I teach. Um, you know, at, at a university, and we, we often I teach classes on films and storytelling and such. And um, it's interesting because I really found myself actually caring about the characters, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of times you have a lot of sci-fi shows but you, you don't really connect with the characters and this one for me um i actually connected with their situation and i i felt like i was along for the ride yeah yeah and you know it's not really an effects driven movie like a lot of sci-fis it's it's really nitty-gritty and dirty in places and has great social commentary i think so well no i i agree i think you know i didn't know much about the first one when i went to see it other than that there was a controversy around it and uh, I, I do think that there are some definitely strong social commentary elements to this storyline. And, of course, depending on who you are and what your background is, you're probably going to see that mm-hmm. a little bit differently. Yeah, uh, it kind of fascinates me that the, the liberals t- take a, you know, this is what conservatives want the world to look like. And the conservatives say this is what the liberals want the world to look like. <laughs> yeah, e- exactly. It all depends <laughs> on who, 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 who represents what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, what what kind of audience would you think this movie suitable for? Uh, well, I think it, there's some very intense moments. So, I, I would, um, I definitely think the PG-13 rating is earned. So, I basically leave, you know, whether it's for younger viewers or not, up to their parents. The parents hopefully know what mm. their what their children can handle. But I think, you know, I think people who are sci-fi fantasy fans, I think people who are into action. Uh, I think it has a, a pretty wide appeal in regards to a traditional, you know, blockbuster kind of film. Yeah, it's it's interesting because a lot of these um, books that are, are movies that are based on books for a teen audience tend to have a really strong romance in them. But I think a Hunger Games really doesn't have that strong. I mean, it does have a little bit of a live, love triangle going on, but it's not the center of the story. Yeah, and also, you know, people, because people refer to that, you know, this is a, a young adult fiction geared towards younger people, even the books, but I think what people don't really understand about the publishing industry is that the average reading level of America is, I think, like, it come, goes back and forth, but it's around sixth, sixth grade, sixth or mm-hmm. seventh grade. Right. So even even though it's written for young adults, um the reason why it has such a wide appeal is because a lot of older people are reading them because that's the reading level of the average person in America. Right. Right. And I, I think that all of these, these young adult novels, my, in my opinion, are actually have a, a broader audience because they are cleaner and written for a younger age uh, group. Because yeah. I find myself reading a lot of young adult fiction simply because I get sick and tired of the language and the the Absolutely. vulgarity of what's aimed at an older audience. It's like, is that even really necessary? So, well, you know, it's funny because I, I challenge my students on this because they go, well, I want something that's more realistic. And I'm like, well, you know, half of the stuff you say is realistic is not realistic at all. When was the last time everything 
in your life went completely to pot and every person in your life always used those words and it was always the worst case scenario and i go this we've we've kind of brought into this thing that more realistic is worst case scenario all the time and that's really not even realistic for for the average person so i agree with you on the on the language thing not everyone talks like that yeah and really it, it the if you get just straight fiction that's meant for an older audience most of it is just not useful to read <laughs> on but, any level. So no, I, I, hear you. I tend to hang out in the young adult genre just for that reason. And there's some really good fiction in that, in that area too. So. Yeah. I, I keep hearing that, you know, I don't get a chance to read much fiction these days, which is, is sad, but I hear that there's a lot of, a lot more movies coming out trying to be the next hunger game. So <laughs> yeah. maybe we'll get some more good ones. Yeah. We'll hope. Well, hope. I think we discussed one in the in the other podcast, uh, Strangers and Alien podcast, that's coming up this. I believe it's this spring. Yeah. Um, that that's another based on another series of young adults. So. Yeah. Divergence. Yeah, and divergence. divergence. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to get my hands on the book because, uh, unlike you, I actually like to read the books first, and uh, before I ever go see a movie, the only one I broke rank on that was Twilight. I saw the movie before I read the books, and but then I, I read the rest of the books before I watched the rest of the movies. So I actually I don't mind reading the books first. It's just I don't have the time right now in this season of my life. When Lord of the Rings when it came out, I read all the books first because mm-hmm. I I wanted I had not read them yet, and I wanted to know what was going on. So I I really want to. I just don't have I the time to get around it right now with two little kids. Oh, yeah. It takes up my, my time. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Did you like the music in the movie? Do you remember uh, anything about the music? Yeah, I, um, you know, music, I always kind of look at the music, how it plays to the overall story. Mm-hmm. And um, there, were no, there were no moments where I felt like it was obtrusive or out of place. Uh, in fact, most of the time I felt it was pretty, there were a couple moments where there was like nothing. And then there are other times when it was constant and i mm-hmm. i thought they did a pretty good job with that yeah the uh the score is by james newton howard and i don't remember ever playing one of his scores in one of my podcasts before so he f- might be fairly new um to scoring movies but i thought it was it was a beautiful soundtrack i i was listening to it in prep for this uh episode and um it's it's just a wide range of of music there's he really doesn't get stuck in a rut like a lot of scores do so yeah i really like it so i'm gonna play a little bit of it right now um so that everybody can hear what it sounds like Hope everybody enjoyed that music. I think we can tell everybody now that we're going to end our spoiler-free um, section of this podcast because we, when we get into the nitty-gritty of the movie, we're going to spoil all kinds of storylines and plots and endings. So if yeah. you haven't seen the movie yet, turn this off and come back after you've seen the movie or read the book, and then you can rejoin us. So hopefully that cleared the audience of people like you who don't want to have a movie spoiled. 
Yeah, yeah, it drives me nuts. <laughs> I wrote down some quotes and things that kind of caught my attention when I watched the movie. Um, one of the early things that happened in the movie was a discussion between um, President um, Snow and uh, Katniss. And they're, they're having this discussion, and he's trying to get her to, um, I guess, uh, confess some things. But she makes the statement about a fragile system to be brought down by a handful of berries. And this <laughs> is a reference back uh, to the first movie where uh, they managed to thwart the system by the two of them agreeing to die together so that there isn't a victor and they end up being allowed to win because of that. It's interesting that, that it, it is a pretty fragile system that that one act of defiance is now causing revolt clear across um, the districts and yeah. uh and people are, are, I guess, getting a backbone and willing to fight back. Um, it kind of makes you think uh, of where our Christians have a position in government. Because if you look back through history, Christians usually don't do too well in totalitarian governments. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they get imprisoned and burned and crucified and all kinds of things. So... Uh, do you have any opinions on what Christians would do in a situation like this in a political system that is so strongly totalitarian with rules and fear and intimidation and all of that? Well, I, I don't think we have to look very far. I mean, if you look at the early church in Rome, it was very similar mm -hmm. for, for Christians in that they were basically put out in front of an audience and either were faced against uh, animals or gladiators. So we have a very real example of people that are being thrown to the wolves for sport. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and there's all sorts of ways that you can justify it. In fact, in the early church, what Rome would do, uh, one of the Roman emperors, he blamed Christians for burning Rome. In reality, he did it. So he would use Christians as a scapegoat. And basically, in this system, they kind of use these you know, representatives as scapegoats to kind of keep control of, of their culture. So... As far as what Christians should do or what they have done is, you know, it changes. Right. Uh, you know, I would say that, um, you know, what would Jesus do in the setting? I don't think that Jesus, I think Jesus, if he was put into this arena, he'd probably be the first one to die. <laughs> Give his so, life for everybody else. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I don't see him going and killing a 12 year old girl. Mm -mm. So. No. And it, 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 it fascinates me that through all of it, Katniss, especially in the Hunger Games, she's really not trying to kill anyone. She's just trying to survive. Right. And I, I think that's one of the things that makes it a little easier to watch because she's not turning into this cold-blooded murderer that a lot of the rest of them are. She's just trying to survive. That's all she's doing. Yeah, which is, it takes on a whole nother effect in this movie where, you know, there are some situations she doesn't understand because it seems like people are are almost protecting her. Mm -hmm. And so she, she's not even, in this particular one, she's not put in, in that situation as often um, unless she's actually defending herself or someone else. Right, right. Now, I did pull out a little bit of scripture. Um, it's not directly uh, situated with how we deal with, you know, this kind of intimidation and, and abuse, but um, there was a situation where the Pharisees came and tried to entangle Jesus in discussion of uh, how they would react to um, the, uh, a government that is enforcing taxes. And 
I, I put down the Matthew um, 22, 15 through 21 version of this. Um, and it goes, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words, and they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why not? Why put me into the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius, and Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, render the, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And I pulled this out because a lot of people want to be, um, to, you know, stand against a government. And I think that in Jesus' point of view is, is that government has its place and that we as citizens of heaven also have roles in the governments that we are under in, on earth as well. And I don't think he ever preached uh, resistance to governments. Yeah, I think that's a, a strong um, evidence in most of scripture. Even Paul, when he um, is confronted, he, he says something, and then he realizes that he's actually speaking to one of the key leaders, and he he basically apologizes, saying, "I didn't realize that you were the leader." Uh, the only time examples where we really see even Paul challenge that is when uh, the system becomes extremely unfair, and he says, "No, that's actually I'm I'm a Roman citizen. You're not allowed to do that because of this." Uh, right. But even then, he's it's working done. within the law, right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and he happened to know the law. Um, you know, it's one of those things where. I think most of scripture you would say, um, you know, we're supposed to, to, to follow our leaders. And then people would say, well, what about in the situations of, of the Nazis? And should you go along with killing Jews? Well, I think that's where you, um, where scripture does gives us, and honestly, we're not supposed to go against our person, you know, if giving someone else, leading them to murder, that's a whole nother animal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for instance, if we're in this world of hunger games, you know, am I going to submit to the authorities and kill everyone? Mm -mm. Well, that would go against my personal beliefs of what scripture says. Right. So I'm probably going to die. Right. <laughs> right. But you, you won't be the one that's, that's just fighting, you know, tooth and nail to, to survive because you have a, a different perspective on what death means. And I think well, that that's important for a Christian as well. Well, and I say that now because I'm talking about a story, but if I were in a situation protecting my family, you know, you can say whatever you want, but until you're in that situation, it's hard to really know <laughs> what how you, you would respond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So, you know, if, if my family's in danger, you know, I'm going to have to pray about that one because my natural instinct is to, uh, you know, you mess with my family, <laughs> we're going to have to have a strong conversation. Exactly. I think that that's, that's the case for most people with families is the family yeah. comes first. So, yeah, yeah. Well, um, the next line that jumped out on me, we kind of get a feeling before the Hunger, the Hunger Games even starts in this movie that a lot of the other uh, tri tributes are kind of on her side because one of them, after she, it's revealed that she might be pregnant at this, you know, at the, where they're doing all the interviews, uh, one of the guys comes forward and says, the contract was written by men, it can be unwritten. And he's disc he's talking about the contract that brings about the Hunger Games, the reason why they have the Hunger Games. And he's saying, you know, we can, it, it, this was written by men. We can rewrite it. We can change it, you know. 
his suggestion wasn't taken up, obviously, but that brought a, a reminder to me of how many people challenge scripture, that God's yeah. holy word as being only written by men. So therefore you can twist it any way you want. And uh, it's, it's something I think a lot of conservative Christians, especially in our culture today, have to fight continually against because the, that's the reason that our, our, um, the holy word of God keeps being discarded and, and dirtied and sullied. Yeah, there's a lot of people who will say, well, you know, because they, they'll try to use scripture to justify anything they want. And they go, well, you know, you, know, you can inter- interpret scripture any way you want. And that's not, that's not actually true. No, it isn't. In fact, in fact um, you know, I even have to talk to a lot of Christians. There aren't multiple interpretations of scripture. There's only one correct interpretation. Mm-hmm. There's, many, there's many applications. Mm-hmm. So if you don't understand the context, like, for example, if we say, use the verse an eye for an eye, well, you can use that to justify cutting people's eyes out. Well, right. if, you understand, if you understand the context, Jesus was actually putting down limitations. It was actually an act of grace that if mm-hmm. someone happens to take your eye out... You don't turn the, around and kill them. <laughs> yeah, you don't cut off their arms. You know, it's saying that that is the actual furthest you could go, but if you look at the rest of Jesus' teaching, it's grace, forgiveness, mercy. Right. So it's actually was putting down boundaries, but when people don't understand the context, they use it to mean whatever they want, and that's not accurate. Yeah. Yeah, and you use scripture to interpret scripture. You don't take scripture out of context and then use things outside of scripture to make it mean something that it doesn't actually say, which I right. think is what a lot of people do these days is they they try to bring outside things into the scripture to to twist what is actually said in scripture to mean something different. Yeah, cuz people have a bias. They have a cultural bias. They're viewing it through current lenses and it's you can't do that because you're bringing a cultural bias that doesn't really relate to what was going on back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the scripture I pulled out for this was, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, which you will do well to pay attention as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And that's in Second Peter 1, uh, verses 19 through 21. It's a very powerful book and, or epistle, I should say. Yes, it is. <clears throat> now, uh, you have anything else, any other thoughts on that? Oh, I think you pretty much slam dunked it with scripture. So <laughs> I can't top scripture. I, no. I just can't. I can't do that. Um, now, the uh, the next thing that I, I kind of thought we kind of brought it up earlier was that Katniss doesn't seem to really uh, understand that people are protecting her. And it, it's kind of like the gotcha at the end of the movie where she wakes up and they've rescued her. And um, and it was kind of like, oh, by the way, you know, we were doing this all for you and we didn't want to tell you because you know you're not very good at keeping secrets which right right <laughs> i thought was kind of funny um it reminded me have, did, did you ever see the dune movies or or i i, I tried i could <laughs> not get through them it was so painful in fact the only parts i enjoyed was when patrick stewart was in it <laughs> that was all of 15 minutes but they were the best 15 minutes of the film <laughs> Yeah, I um I was actually a bit of a connoisseur of Dune when I was in college, and the uh, the they're based on uh, Campbell's uh, myths. So the when Frank Herbert wrote them, he was purposely building in uh, mythical stereotypes into the into the stories, and 
the Paul Muad'Dib, the main character of the first book, because they came from a book series, um, he is basically a reluctant hero because he he comes on and he gets raised to this level of practically a god. And then in the next book, which is Dune, but then in the next book, he becomes uh, a, a figurehead. And this huge jihad, this holy war takes place in his name and he has no control over it whatsoever. And that when it, when you see Katniss being dealt with this way, it, it made me think of that. It's like this this hero that people are using as a figurehead, and she has absolutely no control over it whatsoever. It's like right. she, she they're using her because of a symbol that she has become, but she is she she's just not in control of it at all. Yeah, when I think of reluctant heroes, I often think of Gideon. He was extremely reluctant mm-hmm. uh, but uh but yeah Katniss I think that's one of her appeals I think because she she seems like that you know that they they always wondered if a, if a woman lead could really take an action movie and I think that there's been few ones I've done in the past that have gone really well but this is pretty much put it out Katniss mm-hmm. uh, is a really relatable character I related to her she's female but I related to her mm-hmm. um, and so I think the the reluctant hero. Um, well, let me ask you this: Do you think that there are any spiritual uh, truths or comparisons that you could uh, that relate or connect with Katniss's situation? Well, the one that I had kind of drummed out was even looking at Christ, because when he came um, to to us as a man, the Hebrew nation was expecting a, a warrior king who was going to come and save them from Rome. And he he refused on several instances to take that role. And I think that a lot of the following that he got while he was alive and walking the earth were people who were really expecting him to pick up a sword and lead them uh, against Rome. And he never did it. And in fact, um, when uh, when he's taken um, from the from the Garden of Gethsemane um, before his crucifixion, um, his disciples try to one of his disciples tries to you know raise arms to protect him and um this is the it's in uh i think it's in three of the gospels but i i'm reading it from matthew 26 51 through 54 it says and behold one of those who were with jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear then jesus said to him put your sword back into its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? How then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? So I think he was somewhat of a reluctant hero because he knew what he came for, but the people who were following him didn't understand. Well, yeah, and what's interesting is that if you understand Jewish history a little bit fuller, there were several supposed messiahs that came about before Jesus, but all of them tried to accomplish it through military means and it, they were always struck down they didn't succeed against against the, the roman empire mm-hmm. so actually jesus's approach uh stuck out at that time it made a difference because they've been used to seeing people try to raise up and, and start a rebellion and so where jesus was reluctant in a military sense he was not reluctant when it came to actually he was intentional because he could have stopped them from crucifying him anytime he wanted to but he said, God, you know, let your will be done, not my will be done. Right. So he's reluctant in the sense of expectations for everyone else, 
but not in what his purpose was when he came. I think it's fascinating if you know anything about the the Muslim faith that they they hold Jesus as being a good teacher and a prophet, but they actually don't like to admit that he was crucified because that's such a shameful thing. They don't believe a man of God could have been crucified. And yet that is the the hallmark of the Christian faith, the fact that he was willing to go onto the cross and die and to, and shed his blood for our sins. It's 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 the most important thing um that happened for us as Christians that and that he rose again and conquered death. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, you know, there's enough, even outside of of biblical sources that can back up through history and through other means that this really happened, that Jesus mm-hmm. was crucified. And, um, and that the grave was empty. He really did resurrect yeah. as well. So. Yeah, so. Yeah, so it, he's bef- definitely the best hero to um, shape your worldview on, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's it is it's a story that has lasted for over 2,000 years for a, a huge reason. Mm-hmm. Because think about it. I think if you look at Scripture, one of the one of the biggest hallmarks of of Jesus's uh, Christhood, so to speak, is that even his family came to accept him as the Messiah. Can you mm-hmm. imagine that? Yeah. You, you yeah. raise up in your your brother, your sister, your son, your daughter. Someone says, "Hey, I'm the Messiah." And the reason why that changed was because he rose again. It wasn't even the teachings. Mm-hmm. It was after he was crucified and he was seen afterwards. Then that's when everyone was like, he has to be the Messiah. We right. saw him die. Right. And now he's alive. That's what changed everything. Yeah. And the fact that so many of the, the apostles were willing to go to, go to horrendous deaths um, without ever repudiating what they knew to be the truth about Christ. It's like it's, it's definitely well established that it was not um, something that was um, done to his body. He wasn't dug up and hid somewhere or, or something like that, that he really did resurrect because they wouldn't have um, gone through the horrendous deaths and torture that they did um, to preserve their testimonies. You know, if, if, if you had, if we we're at today's society and we had a jury and all, you had 10 witnesses that were all there and said, look, I saw this happen. We'd all sit there and go, wow, these guys are respected people. There's a doctor, there's a lawyer, and they're all saying this happened. Mm-hmm. We'd, be, we'd believe them. Right. But when 500, when thousands of people say, look, we saw Jesus was dead, we saw him alive, mm-hmm. that is why it spread like wildfire. They yeah. heard teachings up until that point a lot. There was always a new teacher. What made this different was that he died and they saw him alive again Mm -hmm. that changed the face of the globe because at that point when you see something like that dynamic that uh obvious you're willing to die for it yeah which i I, i'm going to use that as kind of a jumping point to a new topic um there was something that was said uh to katniss right before the hunger Games started in in this movie is this is when you're in the arena remember who the real enemy is and i I kind of added this to the notes because I was thinking as Christians, that's really important for us to remember um, when we're in this world because we are faced with persecution and we're faced with, um, you know, people who just have just horrendous uh, attitudes about who God is and and what he means to them. And and that's on them, not on us. But we have to remember like Katniss when we're in this world who our real enemy is and the scripture is very um, 
point blank in, in several places. I only pulled out two verses, but the, the first one is put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Ephesians six eleven. Uh, in first Peter five, eight, it says, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And I was thinking in Katniss, Katniss's instance, she's in an arena full of tributes who indeed they may want to kill her, but the real enemy was the government that had put them in the arena. That was the real enemy. And for us Christians, we may be surrounded by uh, people who don't like us, but our real enemy is is the prince of this world. Well, that's, I mean, that's a huge, huge point. And I think it's sometimes easier said than done because the truth is hurt people hurt people. And even mm -hmm. Christians are, are hurt. And we often blame, I mean, I've seen so many church, church, even in churches where people are infighting, people are trying to get their way because somehow their way uh, is uh, has to be God's way. And we don't recognize that it's not just them. There's something going on deeper. Mm -hmm. That's why Jesus said, even love your enemies. Mm -hmm. You know, scriptures, it, it even the pagans love the people, their loved ones. Right. What's different is when you love your enemies. That's something that's different. Uh, but I think sometimes we do a really good job, really good job of demonizing people who don't see things the way we do or who aren't what we want them to be. And the mm -hmm. truth is, as Christians, we're supposed to love people where they are, not where we want them to be. Right. If we only love them when they want, when when they're doing what we want, then that's conditional love. And uh, now it's like God, God loves us enough that he doesn't want to keep us where we're at. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you have to start somewhere. Right. And I think it's, it's interesting that we have this, this instance sometimes where we, uh, we look at the symptoms of problems around the world, you know, the, the various sins that, that our society partakes in. And we try to fight the sins, but we don't fight the underlying reason why these people are sinning and and that is because they don't have God they don't have Christ in their heart they don't have the Holy Spirit and until and we we can't fight the bad morals of our society until we we call uh, call the Holy Spirit into revival and change the heart of our society because that's where true change comes from so we can't we can't win the battle fighting the symptoms of the problems yeah I mean you know if if we're just fighting the symptoms then we get into kind of a almost like a legalistic pointing the finger instead of mm -hmm. really what's the answer the answer is not moral living the answer is christ right because moral you living know? comes out of christ but you can't exactly right exactly when when you when you're when you when you're introduced and in, in the and you have the holy spirit in your heart when you have that is where we become because the whole point of being a christian is to become more and more like christ that's you know a lot of people want to say it's to follow our dreams well not always. A lot of times our dreams are very selfish. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the goal is to become more and more like Christ. And uh, so, you know, we can fight them the, just on the moral end, but then we're just, like you said, finding the symptom and not the, the real infection. Well, the, the, last, the last thing I had written down to talk about was there's a couple quotes in the movie about hope. Um, the first one was when the game organizer was talking to the president um, the, I guess it was the president who said, uh, fear does not work if there is hope. Um, and he's concerned because the game organizer is telling him to, you know, go and create more fear and, and pain and stuff in all the districts to, to create more control. 
and the President Snow's noticing that there's hope because of who Katniss is. People have hope. And so he's like, there, fear doesn't work if there's hope. And then there was another quote where um, uh, Katniss's sister, um, Prim, says uh, is talking about what it's like to live in the district. And she says, it's not living. But since the last games, I've seen something different. There's hope. And funny thing that came into my mind when I heard that was Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> a, new, a new hope. A new hope. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Which it, it, it's interesting because um, this is the second movie in a in a trilogy, but I guess they're turning the the third into two movies. I think that was the discussion we had earlier. But it's still a trilogy. There's there's three stories. Right. And in most trilogies, uh, the middle movie usually is the doom and gloom movie. It's it, when you when you get to the end of it. Everything is bad. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, and they leave you hanging. And yeah, it's what we call the Empire Strikes Back syndrome. Yeah, <laughs> and where did that come from? Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> um, but there's a sli- something a little bit different about this movie, because at the end of it, there's actually hope. Did you notice that? Yeah, it, it is a little bit different. I think that there was some some similarities to Empire Strikes Back, and that it seems like... Uh, you know, a lot of stuff hits the fan at the same time. Instead of um, the ending being, well, there is no hope. It's actually, wow, there's actually this is the seed of there being hope for the very first time. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, because she's been pulled out, and and it looks like they're going to the the um, famed District Thirteen. And but she doesn't. She, I mean, we're still in a position. She's been separated from the other people that that she trusts. And she's with people that she doesn't necessarily trust. And there's a lot of uncertainty. So it is definitely a cliffhanger. you got to come up and wonder yeah. what's going to happen next. But when we talk about hope, um, as Christians, uh, it seems like that's what makes our lives worth living. Because we have real hope. Not something fragile based on dependence on, on diff- other people or on figureheads, or on heroes that are reluctant, um, we have a real hope. Yeah, and that's the the big thing, is that there are two primary ways to motivate people. Almost any leader, anybody who study, uh, my my doctorate is in strategic leadership. Mm -hmm. The The two primary ways to motivate people is through fear and through hope. Mm -hmm. So you see this, like if you take politics, it's almost always fear and hope. With me, there's hope. With the other guy, there's fear. If you choose me, we can bring about change. If you choose the other person, you better watch out because the heavens are going to fall. Yeah. And, and that's people who understand. People who are trying to motivate people know. Mm-hmm. You motivate people by fear and through hope. And what I think is interesting is that uh, they know that fear motivates. Mm-hmm. And they wanted a little bit of hope. I remember one of the, the presidents said something like, a little bit of hope gives them enough to keep going. You mm-hmm. give them too much hope and it throws everything off. Right. And I think with us, we have hope in the real hope. Other people put hope in a lot of very fragile things. Mm-hmm. Well, I've, I'm reminded it's one of my favorite pieces of scripture. It's in uh, Romans 8. Um, it's what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 
Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, like we were discussing earlier. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to the peace slaughter. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Isn't that a terrific hope? Uh, I was just about to say that is an awesome scripture. I love that one. And then it goes on to say, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) You can't get any better. You can't get a better hope than that. Yeah, and what's what what we should have that verse as a litmus test because whenever we start to worry about something, it, it it means that we're stepping away from where our hope is and we're starting to put our hope somewhere else. Right. It's, that's when fear starts to step in. So that's a powerful verse. It is. And I remember getting so discouraged over, you know, the elections over the last eight years. And I don't know where you stand uh, in politics, but I'm very conservative. And I was very, very um, just depressed um, when Obama was first elected. And I went through this, this uh, thing on my blog where I had to just work through this idea of where was I putting my hope? Because if I'm putting my hope in the United States of America, it's always going to fail me. I have to put my focus back on the true hope, which is Christ. And that is a, a heavenly kingdom in which I have citizenship. And it doesn't matter what happens in my country because my true hope is in God. And it, it was just a real eye opener for me to, to be able to step out of the, that whole political depression and, and realize that I, I had the, the best hope of all through Christ. And it doesn't really matter what happens politically, that God's in control and he's always going to make it come out to his um, perfect will, even if we don't see it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm a pastor of a multi-ethnic church. And so we have people who have very strong views on, on both sides. And I, mm-hmm. I, um, it's almost every four years I have to remind them that our hope is in Christ. Yeah. <laughs> no matter, because no matter who wins, there's always someone that believes that the, the world is go- about to end. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, I keep reminding them that we don't have to agree with our leaders, but we have to, you know, what God tells us to honor our leaders and pray for them mm-hmm. because God has used people, uh, who, who, um, are not Christians and people who are Christians in leadership. And so, um, and through all different situations, even in Rome, which was a chaotic, mm-hmm. um, you know, government. So, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> and I think that's a constant reminder for all of us. Um, you know, we, we don't have to face a situation like Katniss right now. So <laughs> thankfully uh, we're, doing, we're, we're doing pretty good. We're not being picked as tributes to go kill our, our, People from other places. Or we're not having our children chosen. I think that's what makes it so much harder in the Hunger yeah. Games is that it's the kids. That it's, you know, 12-year-old kids um, being sent in against, I guess it's what, 12 to 18 was the age range? Yeah, I believe that's something like that, yeah. Yeah, it, it just, that, and, and it's totally random and you don't know who's going to get chosen and just the, the horror that the parents have to go through to let their kids go because they know that only one will come out. And that that's... Yeah. But yes, thankfully, we don't live in that world. 
Not yes. yet, anyway. But God is in control, and I think that's why Christians have such a strong hope, because we know um, that ultimately, whatever happens, it's within his will. He doesn't let anything happen that's not within his will, and he has a perfect plan. And even when things seem to be going badly for us, um, that's just where we can turn our testimony up a little higher, you know. So... Is there anything else that, that struck you in, in the movie that you'd like to talk about? I, you know, I just remember at some point in the movie, I remember saying to myself, I'm really invested in this world. I have no idea where it's going. <laughs> but but I, um, I really enjoyed the story. that the, You know, part of it is I kind of relate with District 12. You know, I grew up in, in the inner city, and I grew up um, – you know, in the worst city in America per capita, it's called Murder City, Flint, Michigan. Mm. And so I, I kind of relate to the outskirt towns a little bit. And I kind of relate, you know, with they're not feeling like there's hope. Mm-hmm. And so there's something in this film that just resonates with me. Um, you know, I know you're talking about kids. And, and it's funny that you said that because, uh, you know, I the entire time I've been putting myself in their shoes. I haven't been putting myself you know, as, as being a parent, giving up my child, I've been mm-hmm. putting myself in that situation. And I think it's because I, I resonate, um, with the story. Cause I feel there's a part, I don't know where it's going. So I don't know how that, <laughs> but at least up until the second one, there's a part of it that really strongly relates to a good part of my story. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we'll see. I, yeah. I know you're, you're, you're biting your tongue, guys, if you're listening. <laughs> I begged her not to ruin the third book for me, so she probably has a lot of things to say. Uh, but I'm not letting her. I don't want to know la, 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 la. <laughs> well, we won't, ruin, we won't ruin the next movie for everybody because, well, I don't even think the next movie will conclude things because I believe – yeah, there's two. Um, there's, there's there's two. For some reason, decided to split it into two, which doesn't really make any sense to me because now in in the twilight. La, 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 no, la, la, no, no, I'm not going to talk about it. In the Twilight movies, um, Breaking Dawn had a definite break in the middle of it. So there were two stories shoved together in one very long book. So it made sense to me to split it into two. I don't know. I can't even imagine where they're going to split. Uh, Eve, it's easy. It's to make more money. I know. I know. <laughs> You know, it's just they're going to have a lot of longer montages. They're going to run and it's going to be slow. You know, I don't know how they're going to do it. And they're going to probably leave it in a cliffhanger, too, I'm sure. So they uh, have to. You know, they have to. Yeah. Either that or they're going to add to what was in the book and and give it a better ending. So I don't know. Maybe that's what they're going to do. So who knows? Who knows? But yeah, somehow or another, people are going to have to wait for two more movies. And I guess they're releasing that over two years, which to me... I think damaged the Twilight series because by the time the the fifth movie came out, everybody was so tired of it. I don't even think I went to see it in the theaters. I was just like, you know what? Eventually, I'll see the fifth movie. I'm I'm so done with Twilight. <laughs> I, I was done with Twilight after the first one. <laughs> I'm sure because you're a guy. Only girls got that that series. So yeah, no, you know, honestly, not, to me, it made sense. It didn't make sense that she. I want to get into the yeah. Line. It didn't. I'm like. <laughs> Oh my goodness! What are you thinking? <laughs> Anyways, yeah, yeah, we're, we're we're talking about catching fire. <laughs> I think it got off on a on a um, bit of a funny trail there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, well, it's been a fun discussion. Um, do you want to tell everybody uh, about 
the podcast that you're a part of? Sure. Um, I, I'm one of three hosts for Strangers and Aliens. You can look us up at strangersandaliens.com. Uh, and uh, we, we do a lot of stuff. We do uh, usually focus it on uh, science fiction, fantasy. But, you know, my co-host's definition of science fiction, fantasy, and sometimes my own, includes a lot of things. So, um, <laughs> so you guys can check us out. Yeah, I've listened to a couple of your episodes, mainly because I needed to know how you guys operated before I I came on as a guest host, and uh, there's some pretty interesting discussions that go on. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even know, I don't, I don't even know which one you're referring to, because there's so many of them. Yeah, yeah, you do a lot of lists, you know, it's like the, like, even the one I participated in was, you know, the the movies coming out in 2014, and, and you do like superhero movies and you, it's like a lot of lists where you um, compare lists on things, which is kind of yeah. Funny. Well, we can argue and, di- and disagree on things. So. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, um, I'm going to plug all the stuff for my podcast here. Um, we've got uh, the show notes for this episode are going to be at areyoujustwatching.com slash 41. And if you want to email me, uh, the, the email address is feedback at areyoujustwatching.com. You can also call our feedback line, which is 903-231-2221. You can leave a voicemail message on our website. There's a little thing there to record messages. And I highly encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. And please go and subscribe to um, Strangers and Aliens as well while you're at it. And all the other wonderful podcasts that are taking part in this cross- crossover event do check them out and i am accepting submissions for my did you see that segment we're not going to do one in this episode but if you have any ideas and would like to um, take part in that i'd really really love to have some submissions um it's been a real pleasure having you with me on this dr jace oh i've enjoyed it thanks for having me and thanks everyone for listening i'm eve franklin Don't just watch. Are You Just Watching is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Our opening vocal talent was thanks to Mariah. The theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis. For more great podcasts like this one, visit the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. That's noodle.mx. Noodle.mx.